everybody. I pray that that video blessed you, and I pray that it whetted your appetite to be together again. I promise there will be a time that we will be able to gather together, and it is going to be amazing. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be a celebration, and I promise you will never, ever take for granted being together, to, uh, being together as the church again. So I want to invite you right now, even while we're separated, to start inviting your friends maybe to these live feeds, maybe to an opportunity to see the kingdom come in their lives, uh, in, their na- in their living rooms, but also use this as an opportunity to see the gospel go forward. We're going to have an amazing opportunity when we get back together to see the kingdom advance. And so I want to welcome you and ask you and implore you to invite your friends, to invite your neighbors, even now. Once we get that date, we will let you know as soon as we can, and you can invite them to come. And when we gather together, I trust that the kingdom of God is going to be further along than it is right now, and he's going to use you to do it. So let's worship together this morning, but also let's anticipate worshiping together in person uh, when we can. So let's get into the word this morning. Super honored and excited that you'd be here. Uh, Super honored that you'd worship with us, but also take some time to get into the word. So let's see what God has to say to us this morning, because I think there's an encouragement as we go through the book of Mark to live the gospel in a fresh and a new way. Let's start off with this, and I don't know about you, but I've not always been good with abrupt change. Let me tell you a story. When I was about 12 years old, I remember we were at the lead pastor's house for a night of fellowship. Just a shout out to uh, Paul and Becky Shank. Thank you for investing in my life and my family's life. We had a great time together. I distinctly remember having chili that night, although I do remember most uh, events by what I ate. But that's not the biggest memory that I have from that night. That, that night after dinner, we decided to play a game, a classic called Axis and Allies. And I don't know if you've ever played it, but it's a board game that sets it up kind of as it was at a certain point in history uh, during World War II. And so you've got the Axis powers and the Allied powers, and the game launches, and every, it's kind of like, uh, like a risk, a game of risk, but on a more strategic level and maybe a little more realistic with different types of weaponry. For, for a kid, it's an amazing game. For an adult, it's an amazing game. And it's really a game of strategy. You have to think through, what am I going to do? And I distinctly remember that night uh, being one of the access powers. It was the lead pastor uh, was one and I was the other. And I remember uh, my dad and my brother and somebody else, I don't remember who else was there, were the allied powers. And it was, the game had gone on for about an hour and it was getting good. I mean like really good for me and my country. I was about to take over the entire map and it was going to be a good night. And I remember it was just about to be my turn and I had set things up and we had had some battles and I was moving across the continent and I was about to launch what I had been waiting the entire game to launch, which was a destruction of my father's opposing forces. And so what I did was make sure in that time of going after those opposing forces was to uh, get everything set up and just as I was about to make my move, my dad says, well, it's time to go. Now, see, you got to understand something. That wasn't a big deal for most kids, but for me at 12 years old, it was, a huge, it was a huge deal. I was about to make history. I was about to literally become a man. I was going to defeat my dad, not only at a board game, not a game of chance, but a game of strategy. And here's the thing. He said it was time to go because I thought it was his turn next to get defeated. He called it right before he was wiped off the map. And I absolutely lost my stuff. I remember absolutely embarrassing myself that night by going ballistic because it was an abrupt ending. It was not what I had anticipated. It wasn't what I had wanted to happen. I was about to live a historic moment and then it was all taken from me in in a moment. And here's my question. Maybe you've had 
uh, an event in your life that was monumental, that had an abrupt ending. Maybe you had something that was small to everybody else that had an abrupt ending. Have you ever wanted to go back on that abrupt ending and change how things ended? Have you ever wanted to go back on that abrupt ending and maybe do it all uh, over again? Maybe finish, get a chance to finish what you started? Maybe to change the outcome of that event and of that night? Maybe change your reaction to that circumstance? I know for me, I would love to go back knowing what I know now at 12 years old and just take a deep breath and say, okay, dad, sounds good. It actually gives me compassion when I'm working with my kids and there's an abrupt ending or things don't go as they planned to say, okay, let's just stop for a minute. This isn't the biggest deal in the world. Let's find out where that, that explosion is coming from and let's see what God has to say about it. But I want to say this, we all live abrupt endings. And we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark this morning, specifically chapter 16, if you want to turn there with me. And we're going to see an abrupt ending to this Gospel. You see, I like nice, tidy endings. Maybe you do too. I like when the author lands me where I need to be at the end of the book. When I'm reading through and, and, and you get to the last page and there's just that sigh of relief, like, yeah, everything's right, everything's wrapped up, there's no loose ends. I like when the author takes me to that place. I like when the preacher brings me to a close. Where you're, 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 we're looking at the Word of God, we're exploring it, God's speaking to my heart, and I have a chance to kind of land where God wants me to land. I feel like, you know, they took the plane off with a, uh, in the message with a great example, with a great illustration, and they, they land me right in that place where I can do business with God. I like when a movie resolves. I like it when the end maybe even has a twist and it starts to explain everything that we've looked at before. But what I don't like is when it just stops. It's almost like the movie reel gets cut and then there's no explanation. There's, you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're supposed to land and you gotta try to figure it out. Here's the thing. Mark did exactly that. In the Gospel of Mark, we have a very abrupt ending. Last week, we looked at the resurrection in chapter 16 of Mark. And we saw that, that the women went to the tomb and they found the, the stone rolled away and they saw that the tomb was empty and, and they saw a young man, an angel it says later, who, who gave them instructions that Jesus wasn't there because he had risen from the dead because he was just as he said he was. And then they have an instruction. The, the, the angel says, go and tell the disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of them to Galilee, and he's going to see them there just as he told you. And then we have this reaction, and this last verse, this verse 8 of the Gospel of Mark, is this abrupt ending to it. We think that certainly with this Gospel where we've looked at the power of God and, and this Gospel that has all this movement, the Gospel of Mark is all about movement. It starts, bam, right into ministry, and it flows through, and it's all about Jesus moving towards the end of his death and of his resurrection. It's this whole movement, and then all of a sudden, it just abruptly stops. We think these women would go right into ministry. We think the disciples would jump right into ministry, that there'd be power upon power and more power, but then it just ends. And the author of, of the Gospel of Mark does not bring it to a tidy end. He records that Jesus will meet them. There's a promise of that, but we never really read about it in the Gospel. And I'll explain it because you might be saying, hey, there's a bunch of verses later, but I want to explain to you what we're looking at this morning. But first, let's look at Mark chapter 16, verse 8. The first part of the verse, it says this. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because... They were too frightened. The rest of this gospel, verses, the last half of verse 8 and the, all the verses 9 through the very end, through 19 and 20, scholars surmise were written as an ending to this. 
If you look at this gospel, and many scholars, including liberal scholars and conservative scholars, over the last hundred years, there's been all kinds of debate before this, but over the last hundred years, they've looked at the very earliest manuscripts that we have of the Gospel of Mark, and most of those end with verse 8, the first part. And so what do we take from this? What do we do with the rest of that? We'll talk about that in a minute. But what do we do with the rest of this? What do we do with this abrupt ending? Did Mark intend for his gospel to have an abrupt ending? And if so, what can we take from this? Some people believe that the end of the gospel was lost. Almost like the scroll was ripped at the very end and they they couldn't get to the end. There, There just wasn't an explanation. Some people think that Mark was just being a punk. The guy who wrote this said, you know what, I'm just gonna cut it off and you're gonna have to figure it out. Other scholars believe that this gospel was written for a Greek and a Roman audience that was used to storytelling that it ended abruptly and gave the, the, the reader, the listener, the opportunity to step into something. We know that it was written for a Greek-Roman audience because it was written in Greek. When Aramaic words were used, they had to be explained. When a ritual was explained that was Jewish, it had to be explained. It focused on power, not just on the Jewish ritual. And it was a storytelling format for multiple audiences. And it was used and was used hundreds of times to move the narrative forward, way more than other Gospels, because it was a Gospel of narrative and moving people to a conclusion. But here's what I think this morning. Maybe that abrupt ending was there to highlight for us what was contained at the very end, to give us an opportunity to respond even in that abrupt ending. Let's look at the verse again. We expect... Because this is in the Bible, because this is a gospel, because these women saw an empty tomb, just as was promised, and they, 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 they saw an angel, and they were given instructions that these people would get this right. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I read Scripture and I see the way people respond, I said, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. But the truth is this, we weren't there, we don't know, we aren't experiencing it. But the truth is also this. As much as we hold them accountable to maybe get it right as we would see, sometimes we don't even see what getting it right is. Oftentimes we're also caught in our own experience, in our own ending and trying to figure it out. And that gives me hope this morning that even if they didn't get it right according to our standards, maybe we don't have the standards right. Or maybe God has something for us to see in that and to understand that God is good. And that even when we don't respond in the way we think we ought to, God is still good and he's still moving his gospel and his plan forward for us. So let's look at this scripture. They're about to get this instruction, or they get this instruction, and then let's look at their re- response to it. Let's look again at the scripture. It says, The woman fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Does that sound like people who just saw the evidence of a risen Christ? I mean, maybe you would think, okay, if I saw an angel, I'd be a little bit frightened too. But I think this is a natural response to an abrupt ending. This is a natural response to an ending that they did not anticipate. They went to the grave that morning expecting to find a body, expecting to anoint the body of their Savior, of the one whom they had followed. And something shifted and came to an end very quickly. So let's look at this scripture. Let's look at this description and see what might have happened And what might have responded? Because I think these are natural responses to an abrupt ending. The first is this. The women fled. We tend to flee or to avoid abrupt endings. We tend to avoid difficult endings. We tend to avoid things that aren't spelled out for us. If this live feed ended right now, you would be frustrated. 
you would have a tendency to kind of just walk away. I don't understand what's going on. And certainly these women fled out of that place. We run away from the things that are difficult. The second thing is this. I would say they, they trembled, or we'll put it this way, they fluttered. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where, where I experience something and I don't know what to do and I feel that adrenaline rush in my heart and, and I don't even know what to, to say or how to respond and I just, you know, you feel that little bit of adrenaline. Maybe for you it's when you're called to public speaking. Maybe for you it's when you're called to your boss's office or your parents say, hey, we need to talk. But for, for these women, there was, there was a trembling. There was, a, there was a, a literal bodily response to an abrupt ending. Scripture also says that they were bewildered or flustered. They were flabbergasted. They were floored. They did not know what to say. They didn't know what to think. As they contemplated it, their minds were not in a great spot. Take yourself back to the last time you had an abrupt ending. Things didn't turn out the way you chose. You might have to stop for a minute and say, okay, let me wrap my head around this. And even then, you spend some time wrapping your head around it. You can't really get to what you ought to do. Or maybe you're like these women and you find yourself faint or silent. Because you can't figure it out in your head, you, you don't know what to say. You're, you're at a loss for words. When we come to an abrupt ending at times, we're at a loss for words. I don't know what to say, so I'm just not going to say anything at all. Or maybe you find yourself frightened. Fear is a powerful motivator to not do anything. It says this, that the women didn't do anything because they were too frightened except run away. Oftentimes we find ourselves in an abrupt end fearful for what the next step might be. Fearful for what the future might look like. Fearful because we don't know how it's going to turn out. In our earliest manuscripts, this is where the gospel ends. Now it's almost like this ending begs for another ending. In fact, people, we believe, are so uncomfortable with that abrupt ending that we have a couple additional endings to the Gospel of Mark. The second half of verse 8 is called the shorter ending of Mark. And scholars, as they look at both of these endings, the second half of verse 8 and verse 9 through 20, believe that these were additions. Many of our ancient manuscripts have these additions, but the very oldest of our manuscripts and the commentaries that were on the oldest of the manuscripts don't have commentary on this. And so as we look at it, let me, under, let me say this. It, by the way, it doesn't mean that these additions are not true. And it doesn't mean that these additions are any less gospel. It just means that those who study the words and the Greek that were used in Mark don't see the same uh, structure and the same language used in these two different endings. And so it's almost as if the early church fathers were so uncomfortable that, that Mark didn't give us what happened afterwards that they had to put something in there to make sure that we understood, to, make, to give us a landing place. But here's what I would say to you and me this morning. Maybe this is the point where you and I have an option. You and I are given a chance to take this abrupt ending and live it out in a way that glorifies God. It's almost like, and I don't want to be sacrilegious when I said this, God is giving us a choose-your-own-adventure. Not choose-your-own-adventure because we control the outcome. Not choose-your-own-adventure because we live out of our own power or out of our own understanding. But a choose-your-own-adventure because the Lord comes to us and says, what would you like to do with the truth of who I am? Jesus says, I'm not in the grave. What are we going to do about it? I'm going to be with you forever, always. How do you want to live this out with me? We get to dream and work with Jesus to see the kingdom come in powerful ways. It begs for a conclusion. It begs for us to do something with what we just saw. And here's the thing. I want you to understand. Make no mistake. You have been called and chosen. 
You might say, well, these, these are ancient disciples. These are the ancient ones who followed him. These were women who saw Jesus. But here's the truth. You and I have been called by Jesus into relationship with him and into gospel proclamation. Make no mistake, God is faithful to fulfill his calling in us. He's already equipped us by his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit has not only equipped us, but he will continue to equip us. You and I have already been given the message of the death an empty tomb, and resurrection of Jesus. And so we have an opportunity because of the things that we know to live this out in a powerful way. So what can you do? What ending will you write with the Gospel? How about the rest of verse 8? We take that as a way to live it out. Let's look at the end of verse 8 together this morning and let's see what are some options for you and I as we live this out. It says this, And they briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions. And afterward, Jesus Himself sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Amen. It's a short ending, but it's a powerful ending. And I would submit to you this morning that it's a faith-filled ending. If we are going to see an abrupt ending to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to cover that other part of Mark, God willing, next week. But if we're going to see an abrupt end and say, what do we do about it? What if we take a short ending like this and we make it our ending because it's a faith-filled ending the first thing these women did was to report this to peter and his companions at some point they found their voice at some point the fear and the bewilderment and the trembling gave way to an obedience to the to the instruction of the angel to do what god had called them to do i would say to you today maybe you and i simply start by telling people what we know and what we've experienced The angel didn't tell them to go and declare uh, things that they had never experienced, things that they had never seen. He gave them the message. This is what they knew. He showed them that the tomb was empty. This is what they saw. And maybe if we're going to have a faith-filled response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we do it by just simply reporting what we know. You and I are not responsible to have everything figured out. You and I are not responsible to study for years to understand all of the parts of the gospel. You and I are equipped from the moment that we respond to who Jesus is, the moment that we put our lives in his hands, the moment that we surrender to him, the moment that we put our faith in what he he has done, we are equipped to take that message because we know what he has done for us. Now, here's what I do know. The longer we walk with Jesus, the more we have to tell. But let's not wait till we have a lot to say before we start to say something. Let's respond to the gospel in a faith-filled way, just declaring what we know. And here's what I'd say. Even people who don't know the Lord yet sometimes are preaching the gospel. Some people have had an encounter with Him and haven't surrendered to Him, and they're already inviting their friends and their family to come and be a part of it. I believe that the gospel is so powerful and the work of the Spirit is so powerful that even someone who doesn't know Jesus yet can invite people to come and meet the real Jesus. And in that, we'll come to know Jesus as well. So wherever you are on the journey with God, I invite you this morning to invite people to come and experience Jesus. This man who knows everything about you, this man who's made sacrifice for you, this man who lived a sinless life, died a criminal's death, is raised again and is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. Invite people to know. Declare what you know. The second thing that we can do to live a faith-filled response to this abrupt ending of the gospel is this. It says, afterward, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west. Let's be willing to be people who are sent to go out of our comfort zones. Maybe your comfort zone is your family. 
Maybe your comfort zone is your city. Maybe it's your neighborhood or your household or even your church. You're like, I like the way I live right now. I'm comfortable with the way it is and I want to keep doing it how I like to do it. But the truth is this, a faith-filled response to the gospel takes us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it causes us to move to faraway cities. Sometimes it causes us to go across the street to that neighbor who we don't know or we're afraid of or intimidated by. Maybe the crazy neighbor. Maybe the neighbor that might seem a little needy or, or even from a different political persuasion or a different uh, ethnic group or just doesn't even speak, it, speak the language. It compels us to go, to be sent from the east and the west. It causes us to be willing to go past our own emotional uh, and uh, personality issues. Like, hey, I'm not somebody who's very talkative or I'm not somebody who has a lot of good things to say or I'm not somebody who's very good in front of people or I don't, I, I don't want to rock the boat and I'm kind of a wallflower. Listen, when we've been called and we have a faith-filled response to the gospel, we are willing to go past our own personalities to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe for us, it be, the faith-filled response causes us to go with our time, to start to carve out parts of our day or even weeks or months of the year to be those who proclaim the gospel. To start to structure the way we live our weeks. To worship with the Lord, but also to have time where we impart the good news of what God has done in us to others. That we're willing to go to the east and the west. Maybe it becomes, for us, a partnership with God to declare His message by going financially. What do I mean by that? By giving. Making sure others who are going have the resources they need to go and to give but let's not stop at that and say well i gave now i'm not responsible anymore we are still responsible we can also impart and give and be generous with those around us to make sure that the gospel goes forward maybe we do this we respond by understanding that we're taking a sacred message what does that mean a sacred means set apart unto god having to do with god sometimes when we take the message we are tempted to mix the message with our own interpretation with our own understanding, what makes us feel comfortable. And so the message doesn't become about who Jesus is. It becomes about what we think Jesus is. Maybe our own political philosophy or our economic desires start to get mixed in with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can we allow God to challenge us on this? Can we make our lives about a faith-filled response that says, God, this is about your kingdom advancing. This is a sacred message. This is a message that is not to be messed with or trifled with but at the same time can we remain open to the idea that even if we get it wrong we're going to go and we're going to declare it and we're going to trust that god as our hearts are open is going to speak to us where we're mixing the message with our own messages he's going to pull that out in his goodness in his kindness in his faithfulness to us and he's going to purify the message of the gospel not only in our words but in our lives and the way that we live i don't know about you but i feel like i still have a lot of growth to go I still have a ways for God to work in my heart and my life so that my, my gospel message becomes more sacred. Have you ever had one of those things shared with you where you're just talking with somebody, maybe even talking about God, but all of a sudden they speak something that just hits your heart because the Holy Spirit is taking those words and he's building fire to them and it becomes a highlight of the truth of God's word in some way for your life personally. Let's trust that God will do this because this message is sacred. It's not just a bunch of words. It's not just a bunch of stories. It's literally the word of God being delivered to our hearts and to the hearts of those we take it to. Or maybe this, we we take this sacred and this unfailing message. What do we mean by unfailing? Listen, the word of God does not return void. What does that mean? It means the word of God 
always is powerful, always accomplishes something in our hearts. And if we're going to be the ones who carry this message, we need to know that it accomplishes first something in our hearts. But it also has the power, as we engage others with this message, to see the kingdom of God go forward in ways that we never even imagined. What if the word that changes somebody's life needs to come by the Holy Spirit through your mouth or through my mouth? And if we don't believe that it's unfailing, if we just believe that it's a nice thing or an alternate thing or another way to live, and we just, then we'll shrink back from sharing it with people. But what if we believed it really was an unfailing message? What if we believed that when we speak the truth of God's word into people's heart in love and with the power of the Holy Spirit, that it changes people's lives, that it transforms them from light or from darkness into light, that it transforms them from people who are broken into wholeness, that it brings healing into death situations, that it brings people from the kingdom of darkness into Jesus' kingdom. What if this message really was unfailing? How would we live different if we believed that it was unfailing? Because it is. Let's have a faith-filled response to the unfailing message. Listen, just because you fall away, just because you declare the message and it doesn't seem like you see any results, just because somebody who is powerful in declaring the message and living it falls away or, or doesn't follow through doesn't mean that the message is any less powerful. What th- that says to me is this, that, that there is hope. See, it's not like God comes to us and we, delivers the message and expects us to be perfect all the way through. We have the opportunity to live in perfection, to be holy as God, Jesus is holy. But he also has grace for us when we stumble, grace when we fall, grace when we don't live it out the way it should. When we fail, it is not the end. And it is not failure. Our failure is not God's failure. He remains faithful and will bring us to the very end. If we will turn our hearts to Him, His message will be unfailing in our lives. It's also a message of salvation. Listen, here's the thing. This is not just a bunch of words to help people feel better. People need salvation. People need to be freed from the shackles of sin. This is not an Easter message or a Christmas message or a cultural message or just something that we say because it makes us feel good. This is a message of lives absolutely transformed. And so let's believe that we are not just bringing a hey, follow the rules message. We're bringing a hey, you can be saved message by the power of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing is this, that gives eternal life, amen. This is not just a self-help gospel. This is not just a have a better life now or have a group of friends that you can belong to. This isn't about a social club or a church that gathers just to have a good time. This is literally about bringing people eternal life that is found in Jesus Christ. And so if we're going to have a faith-filled response to the call of God on our lives, a faith-filled response to the word, that we have been given to the end of Mark that gives us an opportunity to live out not in fear, not in trembling, not in confusion, not in silence, not in fear, but to live out the gospel in a way that's filled with faith. Let's make it about eternal life. Eternal life that affects us now, but also eternal life that affects our entire future forever and ever because God is faithful to that. What if this abrupt end to the Gospel of Mark, gives us an opportunity, just like the women did, in our fear, in our confusion, to say, stop, no. 
I'm going to go back. I'm going to do what I've been asked to do. And that's what they did. They briefly reported what they had been given. And it upended the world. What if, by the power of God, the message of God on your lips, the experience of God in your life, as you shared it and were obedient to God, what if it upended your world? I think it would. What if it upended your family's world? What if entire generations would be shifted and changed because you have received the gospel and live it out? It happens. It is happening. What if the, your neighborhood was shifted? When we f- walk in a faith-filled way, it happens. What if your city was shifted? What if a nation was shifted? I believe these things are possible. They have happened before, and they will happen with you as you're faithful to walk out by the power of the Spirit, a faith-filled response to this gospel message. I hope that that was an encouraging word to you today, and I hope it gives you life and helps you see what God is doing in your life. I want to pray for you, and here's what I want to do. I want to ask you if you're watching this today, and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, the very first step to to living out a faith-filled response to the gospel message is to say, Jesus, I believe who you are. I surrender my life to you. Would you be Lord of my life? Would you fill me with your spirit? I will live for you. I want to pray for you, but I also want to pray for every person that's watching. And maybe you can interact with us on this live feed right now. Say, I'm going to walk in a faith-filled way. I'm ready to live in a faith-filled response to this ending. If you want to do that right now, go ahead and comment. I know it would be encouragement to everybody that's watching. I'll go back and watch this once we're done or look at this once we're done and I'll see your response and it will encourage me. Let's encourage one another to live in a faith-filled way. But I want to pray for each one of you right now who's willing to live that way. So would you bow your heads where you are? I'm going to bow my head. I'm going to pray. Let's see how we meet with God and let's see what God would say to our hearts. Let me ask you this. If you're here today or you're watching today and you want to surrender your life to Christ, I want to invite you right now. Just pray with me. Heavenly Father, I believe that you are the creator of the world. And I believe that you love me. I believe because you love me, you sent your son to die on the cross for me. To pay the penalty for my sin. And he rose again, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. So that I could be in relationship with the Father. So I could live and fulfill my purpose in the earth, which is to bring you glory. And so I repent for my sin. I turn to you. I believe that you died and rose again on my behalf. And I receive that gift of salvation. I ask you to come and take residence by your Holy Spirit in my heart right now. I surrender my life and my will to you. And I will live for you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with me right now, I want to encourage you to get on this text, on this feed, this live feed, and just say, new believer. Or in some way share with somebody today that you have responded to the gospel in a fresh new way. It would be an encouragement to those who are watching and it would be an encouragement to us as well. Let me pray for the rest of us this morning. Father, we thank you. Now that you're part of this too, you get to be a part. Father, we thank you for every person that responded and every person that is responding who knows you. God, let us be not just followers who see the empty tomb, but let us be the followers who live the gospel in a faith-filled way. Help us to walk and see your kingdom to report what we've seen, to be willing to be sent, to see that it's a sacred message, an unfailing message, to fill us with salvation, and to fill us with confidence that you are bringing eternal life to our lives and to lives of others right now because of the response that we have by your Holy Spirit to you. Father, I pray that this week 
you would fill your people with such a sense of your presence and calling that the kingdom of God could not help but burst from within them. Father, I pray where they're scared. I pray uh, where they don't see an opportunity or where before it's been intimidating to do this. God, I pray that you would go before them by your spirit. You would encourage them in their inner person and that they would walk in the power of your gospel to see your kingdom come and the world transformed for your glory. Pray in Jesus' name. Well, I want to close this out this morning with just a couple instructions. Listen, if you're uh, watching this and this was a powerful word for you or an encouragement to you, we encourage you again to like and to share this with other people. Send the message out. Go to, uh, in, to our page and see some of the other videos that we have and maybe send those out if they're encouraging to you. If you haven't seen any of those videos and you'd like to be encouraged, we have a whole bunch of them that are on Facebook. You can see those and share them with others to be encouraged as well. We want to let you know uh, that we have small groups that are meeting even currently right now. So make sure that you take advantage of those. Make sure that you check them out so that you can see how you can be a part of being discipled. Gathering together on Sundays like this is great, but the gospel is made real. We are disciples. We have an opportunity to be in lives with other people, even digitally, and see the kingdom advance as we grow in God together. We also want to invite you uh, to giving. Uh, There's many ways to give. You'll see some slides right here. You can give online, you can give mobile, and you can give by mail. You have been so faithful. I want to thank you for your faithful partnership to give and to see the kingdom advance. We are still here doing what God has called us to do and your faithfulness allows us to do that. So thank you for being obedient to the command to tithe. Thank you for going above and beyond in your giving. We bless you to continue to be obedient to the Lord and we pray that you would see the blessing of God as you give and are generous. We pray that the generosity of God would overflow in your life as well. We also want to let you know that we have a pantry that's meeting Uh, during the week. It's on Thursdays. We also have a mobile food pantry that's happening twice a month. You can check out our website, check out our app if you'd like to download that. You can see when those times are. Everybody's available to come right now in this special time, so uh, you can come once a month, but everybody can come. So make sure you check out the details for that and you come. The mobile food pantry is going to be on the 28th, and that's open to everybody as well. So please come and make yourselves Uh, aware of that invite your friends and neighbors to that we want to make sure that everybody has what they need at this time and then we just again want to invite you to like and share Uh, we're going to pray over that offering right now we're going to pray and bless you and i pray that the kingdom of god comes into your life in incredible ways father thank you for an opportunity to worship together thank you for an opportunity to see your kingdom come in our lives lord i pray for every person that is giving every person that's uh, part of small groups every person that's uh, coming through our pantry and serving in our pantry every person who is part of this online community, God, that you would sustain us by your spirit right now and that you'd prepare our hearts to shift back into meeting together. God, we pray that there would be an explosion of salvation, an explosion of healing, an explosion of an awareness of your presence because you are that good. As we meet together digitally, God, I pray that as we come together personally, that we would have great testimony of what you did in our hearts and our lives at this time. May your people be blessed as your face shines upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we love you. Join us next week, 10 a.m., same place. We will bless you, and you will be blessed, and you'll bless us as we worship together. God bless you. We love you.